Hi, this is Nita. I'm hanging out with Max at the front desk and you're listening to the Bloomingdale Church podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am your moderator, and I am joined once again by Dan Marcello, our young family's pastor. Hey, everyone. Scott Reed, our worship director. Hello. And Bill Calvin, the associate pastor. Good to be with you. Before, as always. As always. As always. Thank you very much. <laughs> Before we jump in, uh, shoot, whose turn is it to pray? I think it's Dan's, or yours, depending on how you're going. Well, I'm not a pastor. Well, you do you know how to pray? All right, let's pray. <laughs> God, I thank you uh, for this room. Um, I thank you for the the rain today, uh, and just the chance that we have um, to glorify you uh, and to um, encourage one another um, and to help each other see you more clearly. And I just ask um, that in this time that we have together, uh, you would speak for us, that you would work in us, um, and that you would grow us. Uh, and any listeners that we have closer to you because of these conversations today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Scott, would you rather? All right, so in this would you rather segment, we're actually going to start with, would you rather answer a question about a wedding or about an apartment? Wedding. Wedding. Yeah, why not? I'll throw my right. in the wedding Wedding. Room. We're at church. Uh, I just wanted you to know that you just missed out on, would you rather let two sea lions have the complete run oh. of your apartment for one hour? But that's okay. The question is, would you rather be 90 minutes late for your own wedding or keep dozing off during it? <laughs> okay. I say 90 minutes late. I don't, you, you're right can forgive you your spouse can forgive you for that but mm-hmm. they can't forgive dozing off they would you would never live that down I, I entirely agree i think if i'm 90 minutes late it's like you know i'm late to everything uh so it'll probably be fine um <laughs> might as well get used to it wife. might as well get used to it sweetie no uh i think dozing off that's more personal you know being late is like oh he forgot about the most important day of his life there's no good alternatives <laughs> I keep oh, trying yeah. to justify it, but I agree with Dan. Bill? I'd rather be dozing off. Mm. And the reason is a pastor should never marry anybody 90 minutes late. They're giving mm. you a real strong message. And it's time to go back to the pastoral study and find out, are we even going to marry these people mm. ever? Mm. Whoa. <laughs> but dozing off is fine? Well, I think it's possible that somebody is just completely exhausted. If you have a military man coming in from Afghanistan and he hasn't slept for two or three days and yet this was the day they chose for their wedding, I could see him falling asleep right on his feet. Wow. Mm -hmm. Has anything happened like that when you've been officiating a wedding? No. No, I've never had anyone fall asleep during a wedding. I was the best man at a wedding and my... My friend's wife, she came probably an hour late. <laughs> and we were all pulling our hair out, like, well, what are we going to do? Wow. Ah, this is tough. I think I'm going to go with dozing off for two reasons. He's just doing his build. Yeah, I know. Well, down the it's hard to follow that. But for two reasons. Married. One is that I would be so stressed out if I were nine minutes late for my wedding. Mm. Like, for me personally, that would I would just... Yeah. It was kill me, and then I get there, and I now I have to do the wedding, and I'm just like so I have to stand amped here up. And everyone looks at me. But also, like yeah. having gotten married in the last year, like 
we had, you know, the night before the wedding, we had the rehearsal dinner, and then obviously you got jitters. The night before that, we had the bachelor party, and we were, and I was exhausted after that. So, like, coming out of pre-wedding week and getting the wedding day, assuming your adrenaline doesn't just, like, keep you pumped the whole day, which it probably would, but if it didn't, like, you would be exhausted a lot of the time and that's that's pretty reasonable i wouldn't want that to be true but at least i wouldn't be horribly stressed out we say on the show that you're not allowed to go back there's no take back we always say that but i'm full of regret no nope. i think i i know <laughs> too late i know i'm sticking you don't I have get to, to articulate your regret. Stick with i it. have to stick with it i think honey the, i'm sorry the <laughs> moral need to be late the moral <laughs> of the story here is you were late because two lion, sea lions had the run of your <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, All right. Well, we've got once again two topic of the weeks this week. Uh, It is March 18th, 2020. uh, And it's been another uh, very interesting week in American society and in uh, our world as a whole. Um, This week, federal and state governments mandated restrictions on public gatherings, uh, which prompted restaurants, theaters, retailers to close their doors and change their hours. Uh, to minimize risk and to maximize the available medical resources for those who are sick, our society is closing down a little bit. Um, Tuesday morning, it was announced at Bloomingdale uh, that all on-site events and services are indefinitely postponed. Um, but just because we aren't meeting doesn't mean that we aren't learning and worshiping and growing as Christians. And so my question to you is our our staff is how are we staying active and engaged as a church body uh, for the foreseeable future? Yeah, so uh, we started doing a uh, two live streams a day. So one at 10 a.m. where I'm just praying with and for people, and we had about like 30 people join in this morning. It was a it was a cool time, kind of a first thing, first time for me. I'd never done a live stream before. I, I really got a lot of it. Really enjoyed it. Shared Psalm 34 with people. And then just went into a time of prayer, just asking God to help us as a nation, as a as a world, um, among other things, and just more down to kind of our, our level, families dealing with kids being home and things like that. And that was a great time. And then Scott, every night at uh, 6 p.m. is leading a time of musical worship. We can kind of gather together virtually mm-hmm. and sing and, and praise God together. I, I really enjoyed it, doing it, participating with my family really felt connected to the church even though we weren't together. So yeah, that's those are two of the things that are going on. So how can members of Bloomingdale Church, you know, step into the role of being God's hands and feet to their neighbors right now? I think if you start on your knees and you're praying, mm. God, open my eyes to see what you want me to see, mm. that these opportunities are going to become apparent. Mm-hmm. I was blessed reading of two children, six years old and nine years old, walking across the street with their cellos and doing a concert for the lady who was a shut-in living across the street. And they played their way through Suzuki book number one and partway through number two, and the lady just loved it, absolutely loved it. I think this coronavirus could end up being something that people will say, I'm glad it's over, but Mm -hmm. some of the best things that ever happened Mm -hmm. in my life happened during that time. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that lady would put that impromptu concert real close to the top of her list. Sure. You know, and depending on how things go and how long this all lasts, I think this could be kind of a moment in kids' lives that could be equivalent to, like, 
Scott, for you and Max and me and probably Bill, maybe you too, like 9-11 was something that we all mm-hmm. remember that stood mm-hmm. out for us that yeah. I think kids are going to look back and say, like, especially how did my parents react? How, what was their faith like? And this is going to be something that they'll remember potentially for a long time, if, yes. especially if things kind of drag on and, and life doesn't go back to normal right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what we do in our example definitely does matter. And, and like Bill says, getting on our knees, praying, and those of us who have children, you know, being patient and grace-filled with them during a weird time for all of us, including them. I think one thing I've discovered about myself is that creativity and inspiration don't usually just happen like a lightning strike. You can say, okay, well, I really want to come up with a creative idea for this thing uh, and just kind of wait for it to generate something in the back of your mind. That rarely happens. But I think you might be surprised by what you can come up with if you prayerfully just take a moment even. It doesn't have to be a huge brainstorming session for hours mm-hmm. and hours, but just take a moment, stop and ask yourself, what can I do to help people? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can look at that through the lens of like, what would I really appreciate if someone did for me? Or what do mm-hmm. I have right now that someone else might not have? Or even just being open to opportunities that God places in your in your, uh, in your your path and, and praying that God would keep your heart opened to when those things happen, that you can jump at them. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it might be something as simple as before you go out to the store being like, you know what, today, if it comes down to there's one thing left, I'm going to leave it there for someone else. Or it might be, you know, I have an extra case of toilet paper. I know people need that. Maybe I could post into the Facebook group and say, I have some extras. Does anyone need anything? Or mm-hmm. maybe it's, you know, you know your neighbors, maybe they need something, or maybe they need an, an encouraging call or whatever. But just creativity will take you so far here but it's not just going to happen. Take a moment and think about how you can be serving other people. Hmm. You know, we don't have to be super afraid of the virus itself. It's it's panic and people's mm. reaction yeah, right. uh, to it, to overreactions. Um, and I want to be clear that, you know, when we close down our building, um, as we have, you know, we are doing it out of respect for, you know, the members of our community, for the people, especially those who, you know, are, are most at risk. Um, and so we don't want to uh, pretend like there isn't risk. Um, mm-hmm. But I think a huge way that we can be God's hands and feet uh, is by not panicking. A huge mm, way we yeah. can be God's hands and feet is by continuing to show love to people who are afraid. Mm. Um, continuing to say, you know, my God is here for me and he's here for you and I am here for you. That's a powerful thing. For sure. Yeah, we're called to be light and salt, you know, preserving and shining in the darkness. There's always obviously the opportunity to do that, but there is, people will really notice if you go out of your way and very calmly support them or show them an act of kindness, whatever, that will make a big impact right now. Mm-hmm. You have more, you have more power today than I think you've had in a long time to make a big impact in someone else's life. Can you reiterate for us what services look like? You know, what is that that typical service experience? How is that translating? Yeah, so we unfortunately will not have the gathering together component of our services, uh, which is a big hit. You know, gathering together as a as a body is a huge benefit to us. We can't do that right now. Um, but we will still be putting out the kind of quote-unquote production elements of the service. So on Saturday at noon every week for you know however long this goes on, uh, we will have on our website um, at bloomingdalechurch.org slash, I think it's watch-online, 
you can also access it from the home page. Uh, there will be a, a video or maybe a playlist of videos, depending on how things go, that will have a worship component, uh, which will have, um, it'll probably just me or maybe me and one or two of the other staff members, because we do have some musical staff members, um, leading worship with kind of superimposed lyrics so that you can sing along, you can worship with your family. Um, Bill will play accordion. Uh, <laughs> I will play kazoo. And then after that, we'll have a time of announcements, which won't probably look like you know our standard mid-service announcements, but it will be more of an update on things you might need to know about what's going on at the church. You know what events are happening, what events are not happening, when are things picking back up? When we know that, you know that's where one of the places where you'll he- be able to hear that kind of information. Uh, and then we'll have the sermon like normal. Uh, this week it's Dan Marcello and Daniel Wright co-preaching. We're continuing through our series on Luke 22. That's not changing. Um, so that'll all get recorded. It'll be up online at um, noon on Saturday uh, for you to access at any point that works for you, whether you want to keep your routine uh, Saturday night or Sunday morning. I've heard that keeping your your kind of daily rituals is really helpful uh, in this kind of situation. So if you want to keep the time or if you want to do it at, at a different time, whatever. But that's what the services will look like going forward. It'll be online bloomingdalechurch.org slash watch dash online, or you can access it from the homepage. It'll have music, it'll have announcements, it'll have the message. Awesome. All right. Well, then let's move in uh, to our second topic of the week. Topic of the week this week, brought to you by Nightly Worship and Morning Devotionals. Join us on Facebook Live for daily worship and devotionals with Scott Reed and Dan Marcello. Monday through Friday at 6 p.m., Scott leads worship from his living room. And at 10 a.m., Dan Marcello teaches a brief devotional and prays for our congregation and our world. Bring a daily dose of positivity to a social media culture that Scott Reed describes as a cesspool. <laughs> devotions, <laughs> devotions and worship, 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Facebook Live. Visit the Bloomingdale Church Facebook page and click the live video post to tune in. I like your announcer voice. Thank you. I've been working on it every morning in the shower. <laughs> uh, topic of the week, Bill, uh, we're talking about spiritual warfare. Uh, are demons real and active in our world oh yes yes great listeners if you'd like to send <laughs> the end <laughs> it was been great being with you yes yeah. uh i'm sorry go on I, I interrupted you to do a bit and i apologize that's all right please continue <laughs> well i believe it's very easy to believe in the power of satan mm-hmm. all you have to do is open your eyes and you see things happening that you think this is otherworldly, and it's just so evil and beyond imagination. How can you not believe in this? Mm-hmm. So I want to give some context and say, you know, I grew up, um, honestly, I'm not 100% sure if it was part of my church's theology or just like the way we talked about things, um, but really having this idea that, you know, demons, you know, when we talk about someone is afflicted by a demon, is you know, we it might be allegorical, right? That it might be a metaphor. It might it's explainable scientifically, um, and that like demons and these spiritual evil forces don't exist, sort of outside the human psyche, um, was a big way that I grew up. And even going to to Wheaton, really until I came to this church, I didn't encounter um, a group of of people who uh, were pretty non-charismatic, but still big believers in, in the spiritual warfare. So to me, as somebody who didn't grow up steeped in that, can you give me a primer on what spiritual warfare looks like in, in 2020? Well, some things I can say to it are 
this is how I began to really notice it. I was planting a church in Long Grove, and people were turning to Christ for salvation. And I would notice as soon as they did that, they would have to start working on Sunday. Hmm. And first I just said, oh, that was a coincidence. But it kept happening for literally years. Hmm. In fact, now I've been in the ministry over 40 years, and it's been going on for over 40 years, hmm. that when people turn to Christ, something changes that keeps them away from church. Hmm. I don't think that's a coincidence. It's 40 years of coincidences. It's just too sure. overwhelming. I've seen that a lot too. So that's how I got introduced to it. And then as I started learning more and more about it, I realized, oh, it goes way beyond just the salvation experience. If you take sin seriously, you cannot help but notice that sin is extremely addictive. Mm -hmm. All of us admit to being sinners. Mm -hmm. And when we take a particular sin seriously, it's usually one that just won't leave us alone, no matter mm -hmm. what, no matter how many times we ask for forgiveness. We feel like we're just failures as Christians because I just keep doing this. What is wrong with me? And I'll name a few of these things. Some of them are going to seem innocuous and others will say, oh yeah, that's true. The innocuous ones are things like gossip, and mm -hmm. slander, exaggerating to the point of being deceitful. Mm -hmm. The not so subtle ones are opioid addiction, alcoholism, pornography, sexual addiction, mm -hmm. that people have these addictions and they go to meetings for it and they pray for deliverance they read their Bibles, and then they are right back in the cesspool again, and they are so embarrassed, and they don't even want to come back to church or go back mm -hmm. to a 12-step meeting because they failed again for the 1,000th time. Mm -hmm. That is part of spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. It's something that's bigger than us, stronger than us, and even though we claim the name of Jesus Christ, we keep failing. And that's why I believe in spiritual warfare as being very real. Mm. The good news is people are delivered from this. I've been delivered from some besetting sins in my life. It really gives you a lot of confidence in your Christian life when you say, mm -hmm. that was the old bill. The mm -hmm. new bill is not like that. Mm -hmm. that. That's the good news, that Jesus Christ is stronger than any sin that's in our life. Sure. There's no addiction in our life that's able to overpower Jesus Christ. But I do want to quickly say it doesn't necessarily look like it on the surface. You have mm -hmm. to get really to the place where you say, I hate this so much, I'm going to become a student of how to defeat it. Mm -hmm. And you take it real seriously and you get help from not only Jesus Christ himself, but from the Christians around you. It's like and taking you, that those drastic measures like Jesus did. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it away. Yes, and people don't mm -hmm. like hearing those verses yeah, because sure. we'd all be without our hands and our eyes. <laughs> right. <clears throat> but, but what he's trying to get across is don't cut your hand off. Just get that serious mm -hmm. that you want away from this so badly mm -hmm. that really you get to the place where I'd rather cut my hand off than keep having this going on in my life. And there are also, you know, life circumstances that 
perpetuate those sins as well of saying, you know, I really love this thing and that thing isn't inherently sinful, but it causes me to sin. I don't want to get rid of it. You know, I being willing to, mm-hmm. to let go of things that cause us to sin that we want to hold on to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's most sin as it's something that's not, yeah. not inherently sinful, but the way that we use it is mm. becomes yeah. sinful. Actually, that's probably probably just about everything because Satan can't create anything. Mm. So all all sin is us abusing things that God made mm. and turning them into something you know that takes his place. I know in my own life and I know I'm not alone in this there's different circumstances that come up where you hear this not necessarily a real voice but saying like you deserve this. Mm. Or you know what you're feeling stressed out. Why not do this? Mm. Those those feelings that we get of no it's okay just it's just this once. It's not, no one's looking. No one's not going to matter. You know, though, that, that's spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely experienced some of that a couple of years back after I had gone through a pretty tough breakup. And Max and I were living together at that point, but we were working about like opposite schedules. So I was really depressed and also alone. And it was just like the temptation just became like overwhelming. It's like anything to somehow I convinced myself that like anything to get me out of this like feeling of like loneliness mm-hmm. and like this sin will do that. Even though mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that explicitly, that's what I believed mm-hmm. in my heart. Yeah. And I think you can also see it come from the other direction of, you know, I'm in such a good place. Like mm. I can, yeah. like this isn't going to tear me down. This yeah. isn't going to bring me down. Yeah, I'm like, doing well. I can, I can, you know, yeah. like when you talk about like the innocuous ones, like gossip, I'm doing well. I'm having a good day. I want to share kind of a fun conversation with somebody, mm-hmm. um, somebody that I care about, you know, uh, and that person's not, you know, loving that person's not evil. And me being in this great mood isn't evil. So why can't I, mm. you know, make some mean jokes at somebody's expense or, you know, as you were saying, exaggerate. Oh, man, exaggerate to the point of deception. Like, man, I do that all the time. Mm. Um, so then when people in our lives today talk about having demonic experiences, that is something that really throws us in the Western world. What does that mean? What does that look like? And and what does the Bible say about us and, and say about those experiences? I think you're right, Max, in the sense like we in the Western world, it's I feel like we're a little bit more of that cerebral side of things, what we can see, we can touch, mm-hmm. the five senses. But I would say to the especially to I know our audience mostly people who are believers, believing in Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in the Holy Spirit's power to act in your life and to be influencing you well just as much as the holy spirit is real in that sense like the bible talks just as much about the demonic presence and Mm. and about satan and about demons and so it can't be like well the the holy spirit is real but you know what the bible says about demons i'm not really gonna believe that you gotta take Mm. again it goes back to what we're talking about the bible like the the truth of the bible you know if it's one part is true it's it's all true we gotta Mm. accept all of it You'd almost have to cut the ministry of Jesus out of your Bible if you're not going to believe in demonology. Because the Gospels, you can hardly find a page where Jesus isn't dealing with demons. Right, absolutely. But it's easy to read the Bible and miss that because Mm -hmm. you you get, in my case, I know I get taken up with, wow, look at this great miracle he just performed. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, and he cast some demons out. It's it's almost (laughs) like casting the demons out is uh, second class. Sure. But then there's a few phenomenal instances where Jesus is faced with really the impossible. I'm thinking of the time the man 
came up to Jesus with his son who was so, so demon-possessed that he would throw himself into fire and throw himself into water and try to kill himself. And that poor father was trying to keep his son alive. He loves him. He probably remembers a time when the son was a happy kid and just the joy of his life. And now mm -hmm. the child is just an enormous burden that he loves. And he says to Jesus, I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't do mm. anything. If you can do something, and Jesus says, if I can do something, if you can believe. Mm. And then the man quickly says, I do believe. Help me in my unbelief. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus rebukes this demon. The boy seemingly is dead. He's not moving. Everybody thinks, oh, no, he's died. And, and then the child was not dead. He was just limp from having all those demons leave mm -hmm. him. Well, that was such a spectacular miracle that it gets my attention mm -hmm. as I read the mm -hmm. Bible. Mm -hmm. And there's a few of those in there that we can't ignore. Mm -hmm. But by and large, it's Jesus did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he, threw, he cast all the demons out, and then he also walked on water, and, and, and you just miss the, mm -hmm. the demons part of it. I think... You know, we look at why, in my experience anyway, a lot of times outside of the United States is where you see a lot of these things happening in other countries. Mm -hmm. So why, and we might ask ourselves, why do we not see it here in America as much? But I think we, we heard a great testimony at church. These things, mm. these, you know, demonic presences and, and, and things like that, they do happen here in this country. It maybe just isn't as common, or maybe we don't see it as often, or it's not as commonplace. Mm. But I think, like Bill was saying, I think Satan has found ways of <laughs> introducing spiritual warfare and sin and temptation into our lives unique to our circumstances. And I think that's a case where he's doing that in different ways all around the world to really work to thwart people. I, I met a man, a pastor, uh, probably in his 60s, and, and this was in Mexico, and he was telling me a story of how he felt really strongly called by God to start a church in this really like rural area. And so he moved out of the city like two hours away to start a church in this area. And the people, the local witch doctors, local people hated him. And this is a country that is very Catholic, you know, but at the same time, a lot of roots in animism and witch doctory and all that kind of spiritism, that kind of stuff. And so this guy was telling me stories of how the witch doctors had come to him, cursing him. He had felt demonic presences, prayed through it, saw victory over it, but people said, I'm, I'm going to curse you that the demons are going to kill you. Hmm. But God protected them through through all that, but admits to have like have felt those things. How scary. But I was encouraged by a story that God delivered him through all those trials and saw him to the other side. Satan's ultimate goal is to keep us away from God. Mm -hmm. uh, however he can do that, that's what he's going to do. Uh, you know, like Dan was saying, in other parts of the world, we see this happen. Well, in other parts of the world, they they believe in a spiritual reality mm -hmm. that directly impacts their lives. And so it is to Satan's benefit to use the spiritual reality to demonstrate his power. Hmm. Here, we don't, as a culture, really believe in that. I think we're swinging towards what C.S. Lewis described, a belief in sort of spiritualism and mysticism mm -hmm. without you know, believing in mm -hmm. God, um, but we don't really, like, we're very scientific, quote-unquote, we're very rational, quote-unquote, and so we believe what we can see and quantify and prove. So for us, 
what Satan can do. If Satan were to display himself to us in some ways, that might push us back towards God. It would confront us with the reality Mm -hmm. of a spiritual realm, Mm -hmm. and people would be afraid of that and potentially turn towards God. But if Satan can keep it under the radar, Mm -hmm. if he can attack us with panic, with anxiety, with depression, those are the tools he's going to use for Mm -hmm. us. Because again, whatever he can do to keep us away from God, that's what he's going to do. And I think we see, I think we've seen over the years, maybe the last 20, 30, 40 years, maybe even longer, that these things are on the rise. Depression, the, I mean, the stats are alarming, you know, childhood traumas and and just the life altering in a negative way impact that those can have going forward that a person that experiences childhood trauma is 12 times more likely to take their own life Hmm. six times more likely to become depressed like these statistics are alarming and they're on the rise so satan is definitely having doing some effective work yeah when it comes to this kind of spiritual warfare in our culture yeah and if you i mean we know as we look at depression as we look at anxiety that there are physiological components to that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that being said Demons can affect our physiology. You know, the Bible describes a man who was possessed by demons who could break the chains that he was bond right. with. Like, I can't break chains, but the demons affected his body mm-hmm. to the point where he could mm-hmm. do that. And so we're not discrediting that there might be physiological components and causes, but I'll say right now that maybe not in every case, but in, mm-hmm. I would say, more cases than we give credit to, like what Bill's saying, you can bet that there are demons involved in the widespread issues. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the demons really, in the situations that I've seen, tend to really make themselves known when the person is really trying to make steps forward in their mm. faith. Right. Or really trying to make, understand or grapple with the the idea of faith and coming to know Christ. That's when it really digs its heels in and starts fighting. Mm. So how, what is our role and how do we participate in spiritual warfare? Pray. Just Amen. pray. Pray and a big deal. And I think just be comfortable. And you might be wrong. Who knows? We can't see it. Uh, but be comfortable identifying the work of Satan and rebuking it. It mm-hmm. feels kind of silly the first time. I'm going to be mm-hmm. honest. Like when you first like say out loud, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Like you feel like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't matter. Just pray. Just keep praying. I think I really like First Peter 5, 8, and 9. I think it's the guidebook in my mind to this. It says, be self-controlled and alert. Keep yourself under control. Be, you know, going to God, like Scott's saying, in prayer with your impulses, with the sins you're dealing with. Be alert. Be watching for how, you know, Satan might be at work trying to tempt you or your loved ones or your friends. And like Scott said, it might feel really silly at first. Says your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Just as much as God's active in encouraging and drawing people to Himself, and Satan's active too. And not to scare you, but that's the way it is. It says, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Mm-hmm. So whoever they are around the world, it's not a problem that's common to you, of temptation or sin. You can take heart in that. You're not alone. I think that's something Satan loves to throw at us in our temptation and our sin is you're the only one dealing with this. You're the one with the problem. Mm. You're unfixable. You're unlovable. You're unforgivable. Mm. That's not true. Yeah. I think, too, of James 4, 7, submit yourselves to God. 
Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We have a tendency to like the last few words, he will flee from you. But we're forgetting, it starts with submitting yourselves to God. And the mm-hmm. idea is you just keep submitting every day, all day long, and then resist the devil. That's a continuous active verb, too. You just have to keep <laughs> resisting. Not just three times a day, but it might be you just have mm-hmm. to resist all day long. And I think people who are going through alcohol and drug withdrawal, they really resonate with this. That mm. Yes, it's not just resisting. It's not even 90 meetings in 90 days. It's all day long. Just get through another minute mm. and resist, resist, resist until finally Satan does flee from them. Yeah. Mm. And I love that next verse too. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I really take that as a yeah. sure promise yeah. that as you resist, as you draw near to God, He's going to meet you. It's not just you doing all the work. And yes. say, well, God, are you going to meet me here? He will draw near to you, come near to you, help you, strengthen you, for sure. Yeah, And remember that God is bigger than Satan. Satan is not God's counterpart. Hmm. God is the ultimate force for good in the world. Satan is not the evil equivalent. Mm-hmm. Satan is like Michael's counterpart, Michael the archangel. And when we look in Revelation, I believe that's where it is, we see that Michael and the angels throw down the dragon. God isn't even like involved. God's angels defeat Satan. And God, of course, is so much beyond his angels. So the short of that is God wins 100% every time. Mm-hmm. First um, John three eight says the reason the Son of God, as Jesus, came into the world, or appeared, um, the reason the Son of God appeared, was to destroy the works of the devil, and he will, and he has. Um, so even as we face the reality of all of this, and it's kind of scary, um, it shouldn't be scary. It should just be sobering, uh, because ultimately we have nothing to be afraid of. God wins. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen. What's the last word that we can leave? For people like me and and those of us who struggle to to open our eyes and to engage in this idea of spiritual warfare, um, for whom it's a lot easier uh, to just kind of say, you know, I don't really want to think too uh, seriously. I don't really want to invite my mind to mm-hmm. to consider the presence of demons and people I know in situations that I deal with. I'd rather just say, okay, this is God versus you know brokenness or whatever. Um, I've been kind of trained by my culture and, and by my country to keep the idea of demons at arm's length and say that's kind of for people who uh, are a little more into mythologies and mysticism. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we encourage you know, people like me and, and our listeners who you know, struggle not to take this conversation with a big grain of salt? What's the encouragement and or rebuke that we have for them? Well, I've got a rebuke. It is wake up. All you've got to do is just look at where we're heading in like society. That. There's 70,000 people who died from opioid overdose last yeah. year that we're willing to admit to. And it's very rare that Satan removes himself from those. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. like that is only between the pharmacy and the patient and the mm-hmm. doctor. No, no, no. It's, it's wider than that. And so when... We look at what's going on around us. I think people take heart in knowing that somebody loves them enough to look foolish and to say, I'm a fool for Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul called himself. I'm a fool for Christ. 
and to rebuke Satan and see people getting delivered from, yes, opioids, but also it could be something such as being a spendaholic. They just can't help themselves. They get online and buy everything that they love, mm-hmm. more shoes. It's just a matter of it's time to wake up and, and start noticing this is happening in your own family. It's happening with people that you are very close to. You, you mm-hmm. don't have to just read about it from a mission field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's right in your house. Mm-hmm. If it's not in your house, it's at your doorstep. I see it walking into church every mm-hmm. single time the doors are open here. Oh, yeah. Every single time. And I don't mean even when the big gatherings. We have a little gathering of like 10. Yep, there comes some of it walking right mm-hmm. in right now. Mm-hmm. But, but those people want deliverance. They don't want to live like this forever. They, mm-hmm. they, they want to get out of it. I would say there's sometimes a fear that we have of what we can't control. Whether it's of demons, we just don't want to go there because we can't control it. We can't fathom that. We don't want to go there. And the same can be said sometimes with people in the Holy Spirit. People don't want to go there because it might be a little, it's just, it's too mystical. It's too, it's not something I can really touch and hold and understand with my mind. But I, when it comes to the whole spiritual warfare thing, I would say, don't be afraid. Amen. You, you, you can believe these things, but you don't have to walk in fear that the Satan is the boogeyman. He's going to come take you away in the night. Yes. You know, even if you were to be, you know, afflicted by a demonic presence or a spirit or something, you have the name of Jesus to call on. That's a powerful name. Whatever happens, you can call on the name of Jesus for deliverance, and He will answer. Yes, greater is He that is in Amen. you than in He that is in the world. I mean, hmm. you have the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit in you. I'm, I'm learning as I get older. Just wade into it. Mm-hmm. You wade into it, Bill. Jesus is with you. He's gonna show you the right thing to do, put the right words in your mouth. Let's see what happens. Part of the armor of God in Ephesians, um, which refers to, you know, the shield, which can extinguish, you know, the flaming darts of Satan. Part of the armor of God is the belt of truth. Um, If you are sticking your head in the sand and refusing to acknowledge what Satan is trying to do, you are maybe feel safer, but you are more vulnerable by putting on truth, not just the truth that Satan exists, but more importantly, of course, the truth that God is bigger than him. Um, you are actually, you're protecting yourself. Satan doesn't want you to know that he's there. He doesn't want you to acknowledge him. He wants you to forget. But Jesus wants you to acknowledge that Satan is there so that when he triumphs, you see how much more powerful he is. My word of hope for all of us is, Yes, spiritual warfare is real. You see it all through the Bible, not just in Ephesians 6. And the same God who's enabled Paul to be a warrior with all the darts of Satan being shot at him is the same God in you today. It's not like you've got a watered-down version of the Holy Spirit. No, you don't. He's just as powerful today as he was then. I don't have anything I could possibly add to that. (laughs) (laughs) Listeners, if you uh, would like to submit a question um, or a topic for Topic of the Week to the podcast, you can email those to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. It's a crazy week. We've got a lot of new stuff happening. Um, Does anybody want to give a plug? Be looking on that bloomingdalechurch.org forward slash watch hyphen online. I Mm -hmm. think, is that right, Scott? Daniel Wright and I 
preaching a message from Luke 22, continuing on with the last hours of Jesus' life. And this message, this passage, when I first looked at it, I thought, what are we going to preach on with this? Hmm. But it turns out God had the perfect time in mind for this message. Hmm. And it's about how Jesus prepared his disciples for change and uncertain times, and how he's preparing us too. So I think it's very, uh, very appropriate for the times that we're living in right now. And I hope that you'll check it out being posted Saturday at noon. Scott? Um, yeah, so uh, just stay stay uh, connected, stay on Facebook and the website. Um, if you want to, you know, if you want to see what we're doing, that's where we're doing it. So that's where you can see what's going on. Um, and just remember that our building is closed. Uh, we've, we've, I've seen and thought and other people have, have asked, you know, why is the church closed? Don't we need it more now than ever? Um, our building is closed. Uh, the church is not closed. You are the church. Take care of each other. Show God's love into the world. God is faithful. He will be with you in this. He'll be with us on the other side. Um, and we'll see you there. Well, thank you, Dan. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, Max. This has been the Bloomingdale Church Podcast, broadcasted live from Bloomingdale, <laughs> Illinois. It's not live. The heart of the nation. <laughs> it's not live. It's not live. <laughs> it's not live at all. <laughs> <laughs>